You know, one of the things that <clears throat> I can obsess about uh, when I get up here. So last time I spoke was on Father's Day. did a message about the prodigal son. One of my favorite stories. One of the things that I can obsess with is trying to find my specific style when I speak. Yeah, there's so many great speakers, right? You have people who can just get up and do a conference sermon every time. You just feel like you're just leaving fired up. You have really good storytellers, and you have all these different styles. And I, I try to think, man, what is my style? And I've kind of honed down on this. I like to take really popular stories we've heard thousands of times, thousands of times growing up in church, hearing them over and over again, and putting a spin on it on how it really resonates with me. And that's what I'm going to do today. And I'm going to do a sermon that is a message that you've probably heard hundreds of times. But we're going to do it in a little bit different way, kind of like how we did with the prodigal son. So before we jump in, let's just say a quick prayer. Uh, dear God, thank you for today. Thank you for Alex's communion on how we just really need to be present with you in times of good, in times of bad, and in between. God, I pray that you speak through me. I pray that we can just hear your word and be inspired, that we can really just be the light that you command us to be. And God, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we are going to talk about the experience of being robbed peace in our lives and what God wants and um, what the key contributor to that is. And the key contributor we're going to talk about today is stress. So before we jump in there, I have a picture up here. This is one of the very first clock towers they ever built, ever. It is in Milan, Italy. Does anyone notice anything interesting about the clock tower? There's no clock. There's no clock face. There's no dial. Uh, the interesting thing about this, so before we had clocks, basically we were governed by the sun, right? We would wake up in the morning when the sun came up. We would work all day. And the sun would go down. We would go to sleep. That is how life worked. And when the clock was introduced, it introduced a schedule, right? The, there wasn't electricity yet. The time would still be there. So you would know that it's dark, but it's 8 o'clock. Um, the interesting thing about this is this is the original bell tower. So it would, every hour on the dot, it would ring a bell. So if it was 1 o'clock, it would ring once. Two, two. If it was midnight, it would ring 24 times. It was transformational. Uh, it popped up in public squares everywhere, all over Europe and eventually in America, right? So people could start to work longer. They could work longer and harder now. They know the time, right? That's basically what it allowed. So fast forward a few centuries later, what do we have? We have the light bulb that's introduced. The light bulb's introduced, and now we really aren't governed by the sun. We can work longer, harder, faster, and society did exactly that. 
right, society became faster and faster, and the modern age began. So clocks and electricity, normal in our day-to-day life, right? We, would, we couldn't have church like this without clocks, without electricity, and without that. So it's very transformational. But with that transformation comes stress, right? The ability to work and work and work is a blessing to some, but it also comes with a curse that we have to work and work and work. Let's talk about America. America is one of the most overworked countries in the world. America ranks number one in most unused vacation days in a year. That is very true. 86% of men and 67% of women work more than 40 hours a week. So prior to the 1920s, stress was not a term we used for uh, a season of life and how we were feeling. It was only a physics term. If you went to someone prior to 1920s and says, man, I'm stressed out, they would be confused. Because it was used, uh, imagine a beam, right? And they would put stress on it. And that beam would start to bend, and it was stressed. And I imagine someone probably looked at that beam around the 1920s and said, saw that it was about to snap and said, man, that describes my life. That describes my life, and it caught on. It caught on wildfire. We talk about stress all the time, and it is a key contributor to robbing the peace that God wants to mark your life, stress, overwhelm, panic. And so we're going to look at a story that happened thousands of years ago, and it really contains truths that God wants you to have in your life. Because he is passionate, God wants you to be able to catch your breath. He doesn't want you to feel like you're drowning. He wants you to have peace. So, we're going to look at a story that points to some of the causes of stress that are very relevant today. Very relevant. And we're going to look at the side effects the source, we're going to look at the source of stress, the side effects, and then a solution that the Bible tells us. So, if you have your Bibles, we're turning to Luke chapter 10. We'll be in verse 38. It's a very popular story. If you grew up in the church, you've heard it. But there is a profound teaching in this. In fact, I think Jesus says one of the most, if not the most important thing out of all of the Gospels, if you said there's one thing you had to rank, Jesus says it in this story, and we'll talk about it in the future here in a minute. So, this is a story about interaction with two sisters, right? There's Mary, and there's Martha. Mary, she owns a home. And you have uh, Martha, she owns a home. You have Mary, her freeloading sister, who, because, well, Martha owns the home, She is sitting at the feet of Jesus while she is working and bustling and 
frying some wings, right? She invites Jesus and 12 dudes over. She's in the kitchen. She's frying wings. She's cutting up olives. And she's all doing it all on her own. And she storms in there and says, Jesus, what's up? What is up? So let's read it from the actual Bible and not my interpretation. Uh, Verse 38. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken from her. So we are given into a glimpse in this scenario that centers around stress and what Jesus has to say about it. And, you know, Jesus says, Martha, you are overwhelmed and worried and stressed. And he addresses really something on the inside. He says something very profound. But that same source that Martha is feeling, we see in our day-to-day life. And I believe that God wants to deepen that in your heart. So let's look at a source of her stress. She was stressed with everything that needed to be done. She was stressed that Everything needed to be done, which is our life, right? On verse 40, it says, but Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. Or your version may say all the preparations, all the preparations it says is that. But the question is, is who told her that needed to be done? You don't see Jesus commanding her that this giant meal, this all these preparations needed to be made for him to come in with his disciples, you know, she was feeling the pressure that she needed to get things done. Isn't that our lives? Think about it. All the pressures of what we have to do, what we have to do. I have to go to that happy hour so that my boss likes me. I have to keep up on social media and keep up with friends and families, and and I have to keep up with my image. We have to start a side hustle just to keep up with everything. I got to start an Etsy or a Pinterest or what, all these different things that people start up just to keep up. I have to be on a dating app to find a relationship or I'm going to be alone for the rest of my life. I have to, I have to, I have to. I have to go to church. I have to be a part of a small group. I have to get a new car. I have to pay my bills. But really, we don't have to do any of that. We can fall victim to the I have to, I have to, I have to. If anything, you get to. You get to. So Martha fell into that idea that she had to, and it was a key contributor 
to the stress we see in the story. Um, one of the things that I love to do is scroll on Instagram. I can just scroll and scroll and scroll. And the crazy thing about it is Instagram for me is like this living to-do list that I never thought I had. I can scroll and see, oh, man, they're building a new fence. I need to build a new fence. I can see someone going on vacation. And it's like, man, I need to make more money so that I can go on vacation like these people. Look at these cars. I need to make more money so that I can get this nice car. My car's garbage, right? I can see all of this. And it's like this living to-do list that I didn't even know I had. And it just fuels stress in my life. It fuels this idea that I have to have this stuff, and, and I don't. And there are very few things we have to do, but there are a lot of things we get to do. There's another source that we see, and it's this idea that it all depends on me. I have to do everything. She was, Martha was under this impression that it was all her in the kitchen. And the crazy thing is, is just three chapters earlier in this gospel, we see Jesus who like takes a lunchable and turns it into this feast for like 5,000 people. And really, Martha could have just walked right in there and said, yo, Jesus, <laughs> mama don't got time for this. You just showed up, and I wasn't expecting this. And I've seen you do some multiplying stuff. Yeah, maybe you could work that multiplying thing for your boys, because I, I just I don't have time for that. And really, she could have asked for help. She could have asked Jesus uh, to to help her, because she had all that she needed. But what we see is that she bought into that mentality of it's all me. A third source we see is that she was distracted. And it says right there in verse 40, but Martha was distracted. What does distracted mean? Distracted means being pulled in all different directions, being pulled in many directions. And that, again, is very relevant in our lives. It affects our relationships with each other. It affects our relationship with God. And what's important in that teaching is that it's not even sinful things. It's, it's not like I'm choosing to go to church or commit robbery. It isn't. It's all of these things which can be good things, but they distract us and they make us so that we're not present. It's being constantly bombarded with things. Probably some of you right now can't even focus on what I'm saying because you're thinking about work emails that you didn't send. That you probably, like, someone posted on one of your social media images and it just didn't sit right well with you. And that is some of that idea that my mind is getting pulled in many different directions. It's fueling distraction. I think one of those things that we have 
didn't bring it up with me because it's a distraction, but is the iPhone. The iPhone is an incredible device. You, it, it is, and I can prove it to you because you can be right here and order your Christmas list, and it'll probably be on your doorstep by the time you get home. That's how amazing it is. You need directions somewhere? It'll help you with that. You want to know what the best restaurant is? They got an app for that. It's called Yelp. You want to know the symptoms for influenza A because it's ravaging and it's crazy? Well, check WebMD. All of that is right there. But study after study after study shows that it impacts our stress levels. It affects our sleep. It raises our heart rate. We slouch now. We have back issues. There, uh, the health department actually did a study that the average young adult touches their phone between 2,500 and 4,000 times a day. That's swiping and clicking, and right? That's all the motions that you do. It's incredible, especially since you sleep for eight of those hours, if hopefully. But do the math. It's, it's crazy. And with this blessing comes a lot of distractions, a lot of bombardments. You know, a, a, another study shows that that influx of information keeps us all at a low-grade anxiety all day, every day. And we just aren't built for that. All right, last source of stress that we'll talk about is fear. Now, Jesus said, Martha, you are worried about many things. And Martha's stress was triggered by fear. And like her, so are we. We can overwork ourselves so that people can see us in a certain light. And we're fueled by that. We need people to see our accomplishments our merits, and that fear of I'm not going to look a certain way to that person. And so we drive that. We're constantly devoted to making others see us as successful and building our accomplishment list. A fear of not keeping up with everyone else, a fear of finishing school of getting married, having children, buying a home, a fear of I need to do more. And those are some of the sources, very relevant, that we see in the Mary and Martha story. Now, there are also some side effects that affect us when it comes to stress. One of the things we see Martha do is she is starting to tell Jesus what to do. In verse 40, she says, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come help me. Uh, Martha does something that we all often do when we're under stress, and that is reaching for control. We try to control relationships, situations, circumstances, what people think. She's also blaming other people for her stress, right? 
Mary's sitting there, the freeloading hippie sister not helping, just doing there. And she's like, I need you to come and help me. She's trying to control, right? We blame God. We blame God when things don't go how we expect things to go. We bargain with God, right? If I'm honest on my taxes and in my finances, you are going to bless me. If I go to church and live this special life, you are going to bless me with an amazing spouse who's going to walk with me. And something pretty interesting uh, happens with Martha if you look at what she's saying. She's saying, if you cared, you would behave the way I expected you to behave. Because this situation isn't going how I thought it would. You must not care for me. Martha interrupts Jesus, saying, you must not care. And of course he cares. I imagine Jesus is sitting there, and he's like, Martha, I do care. Because in 11 days, I'm going to die on the cross for you is probably what he wanted to say. That he is dying for you and for me. I'm going to make the ultimate sacrifice. Of course I care. I'm going to give you a chance for salvation. You know, we have to be careful with the word care. And that we understand that it might not mean what you expect it to mean to God. So, I have two stepkids, Jackson and Sophia. They are obsessed with McDonald's. They would eat McDonald's for lunch or breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day. Every snack, every midnight meal, they would eat McDonald's. And as parents, right, we can't allow that. We have to step in and we have to say, Jackson, we can't have McDonald's for the 15th time in a row. And they will get mad. They will be like, this is unfair. My friends get McDonald's. My teachers eat McDonald's in school. Every single day we have this argument about McDonald's. I'm not, that's not an exaggeration. Lana will tell you. Is every day. And it's, but, but what happens is as parents, we care about them. Therefore, we don't allow that. But they can't understand that. They think it's unfair because of the situation. They don't see that we're caring about their health, how they sleep, how they grow, and all these different things that come into play. Now, my age between me and Jackson and Sophia is a lot smaller between my age, between God. And, 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 my, and my real correlation between the two is, is they don't understand our care, just like the situations that we are put in, that God puts us in, we don't understand his view. We can't conclude that God doesn't care 
just because we don't see the situation is how we want. Stress, it can make us assume, control, self-centered, be self-centered, object. And those are real side effects of stress. Uh, finally, as we kind of start to maneuver this plane down, Jesus, I, I, I mentioned early, Jesus says one of the most profound things that I truly believe that he says in the Bible right here. And um, it's verse 41. I'll, I'll, I'll go back a little bit. Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. So here's the context, right? We have Jesus and 12 dudes. We have the two women, and they're bickering about dinner. And we read what Jesus says, but what did Jesus really just say there? Um, and, and to be completely honest, Jesus just gave us the, the reason for our existence on this earth. He gave us the, the reason why you and me and everyone else who has ever lived has existed and what our purpose is. And there, he says that there is only one thing that matters at the end of the day, Martha, and that is what Mary is doing right now. And what is Mary doing? Nothing. She is sitting at the feet of Jesus. She is sitting in relationship with Jesus. He says, you are concerned about all these things and worried and stressed and focusing on all these things. But let me tell you that the only reason while you are here, the purpose of life is to sit at the feet of Jesus. And that is a very profound teaching. So he, he kind of says it in a living room in front of 14 people. I mean, you could have probably saved it for the crowds of 10,000, but he unloads it in a living room, and it is extremely profound. So here's the message. You are going to be bombarded with what you need to do, what you're going to do, what you haven't done, and all of these different things. But Jesus tells you, out of all of those things, only one thing matters. Only one thing. And that is to be in a relationship with Jesus and to walk with him. It's not cooking, Martha. It's not control. It's not accomplishments or merits. It's not the to-do list. It's not what we tick off on our lives. 
It's Jesus. The solution to stress is to sit at the feet of Jesus. Um, when I think about this, I think about what does this look like practically, right? Because we're not in Martha's living room. And how can we sit at the feet of Jesus when we live in a very loud and bustling and crazy world? And I think that one of the ways to do that is really just waking up tomorrow and opening our Bible and spending five minutes in it, right? You may have not read the Bible in five days, five months, five years, maybe never, but just taking time to center yourself, to, to, to listen to what Jesus says, opening the Bible and just reading a chapter and listening in this loud and crazy world. And, and what Jesus is saying, start in John. Start in one of the Gospels. Um, And I think practically, just being alone and quiet, it's challenging. It's challenging to do that. But that is one way, I think, in this crazy world, on practically how we can sit at the feet of Jesus. You know, spending time in the quiet and listening. Praying, right? Praying for peace praying for that that serenity of giving up a lot of those things that we get to do, that we don't have to do, and praying for just Jesus to be there when we try to manage all of those things. And the idea is that the more that you do that, a really interesting thing happens is we begin to have clarity. We begin to see clarity in, in our purpose in life, clarity in what, how we respond to situations, clarity on our relationships, on our priorities, and honestly, clarity what really matters for your life. Uh, there is a scripture I'd like to read. You can flip there if you want. It's Matthew 11 and verse 28. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. This message of Martha and Mary has been talked about in so many different ways, shapes, and forms. I think it's one of the most relevant stories to our life today. We see real sources of stress that are relevant then and are relevant today. 
We see side effects that happened then and they happen today. And we see the same solution that happens then and it happens today. So while technology and all these things change, it is amazing how the Bible does have stories that if we look a little deeper into, they are very relevant to our lives today. And the Mary and Martha story is, it's one of my favorites because of that. I see so much stress in my life. Jackson, this past two weeks has been one of the hardest in our lives. And I'll talk a little bit about stress uh, before we close out. Um, So some of you know this. Jackson got uh, influenza A. He got a double ear infection. Jackson had a hundred and between 102 and 104 fever for five days straight. That was with fever reducer. Every day was a battle on whether we were going to take him to the ER again or go back to the hospital, go to the doctor. And on top of that, Jackson doesn't take any medicine. He refuses. Um, and it's not like, no, he won't take medicine. It, it is really this it's an irrational fear that he will not whatsoever. And we try to trick him and put it in his ice cream and all different kinds of things, and nothing works. He's like a dog who can sniff it out. It's crazy. So Kelsey misses work all last week. I missed uh, half a week. We got super behind. I have finals week last week and this week. On, at, in college, and all of these things are just battling me. And so it might be easy for you to see why I wanted to do a message on this, because if I don't focus on this, my life gets out of control real fast. I start wanting to control situations and wanting to do those things. I seek myself being self-centered, thinking about, man, how can I recoup my lost time at work because Jackson is sick again. I, th- those are real thoughts and real things that I have battled with this week. And the Mary and Martha story is just, gosh, when it comes to stress, when it comes to like seeing those real things, um, I see myself so much in Martha. I have unrelenting standards, right? I want to be perfect in every way. I reach, I, that, when people want to see, when I want people to see me, I want them to see this guy who's totally together, right? Who, who has nice things, has an awesome family. And it's really, if you look at the core of it, it's like, I mean, all of those things are so surface level. Because if you look just a little bit deeper, you would see, you know, our family is very unique, right? So Jackson and Sophia are my stepkids, and they have a dad, and we don't have the greatest relationship with them, and that's challenging. Um, You look at our jobs and our lives and all these things we want to be able to do, but, I mean, we struggle with finances. We struggle with, man, how are we going to get Christmas presents for the kids and all of this other stuff is due, and we just, we struggle with that. And I think about it more than I should. Uh, I think Alex's communion was amazing. You know, he talks about how we have these stresses and that's when we go to God and then things get good. And then it's like, oh man, 
I'll just do it on my own. And I think that that is a perfect example of how I really live my life. And uh, Mary and Martha tells me that I need to do it different. And so my focus this week as I think about is, as I think about my life and what I struggle with is how can I limit my distractions? How can I not get pulled from everywhere so that I can spend more time focusing on the one thing that really matters and the only thing that matters and that's sitting at the fit of Jesus? And, and I pray that, that you can look at your life and say, man, how are there ways that I can limit distractions so that I can also sit at the feet of Jesus? Because at the end, we're in this together. None of us, we, it's, we're not doing it on our own, right? You have people like Chris and Tony and Lana and, and, and Tim and all the, and Alex, all these different people who we want to commune together. We want to Acts 2.42 all day long, and we can't do it alone. And so thank you, Mary and Martha and Jesus and God for this story because it is so relevant to our lives. Let's pray and we'll close it out. Dear God, thank you for today. God, thank you for uh, the story of Mary and Martha and, and giving us real relevant examples of stress that happened then that are relevant to us today. God, I pray that we learn that we, it is not just us, that we can invite help into our lives, that we can stop with the distractions and, and the I have to mentality and to focus on just sitting at the feet of you. God, please be with us this week as we try and to be a light to everyone around us, to, to go and be uh, an example and just to live our lives to glorify you. But God, thank you most of all for your son who died for us, who gave us this opportunity to spend uh, with in communion with you and with everyone else. God, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.